0: Well, good evening. I'm so glad that you're here tonight for our Christmas Eve service. I could listen to that all night. How about you? That's awesome. So I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. And this evening, I want to share just a few thoughts from a psalm of ascent, Psalm 130. The psalm talks about what it means to wait for the Lord. This is a time of year that we have lots of celebrations, but it's also a time of year that we celebrate something rather uncomfortable. We celebrate waiting. Advent is a time that we celebrate the birth of Jesus, that's true, but this is a season that we call Advent, and central to what Advent means is the first coming of Jesus as we look for and wait for his second coming. So this is a important celebration for us to think about and remember, rehearse. Why was it important that Jesus came? But his first coming is directly tied to his second coming. So we wait, and I think you would acknowledge with me that waiting is not always easy. In fact, it's often uncomfortable. Think of all the things that you're going to wait for or have been waiting for. Think of things you're going to wait for in the next couple of days. Maybe a couple days ago you were waiting for the snow to arrive. Or maybe you're getting ready to take a trip. you got kids in the car and you can't wait for them to say, are we there yet? Or tonight the proverbial question, mom and dad, what time can we get up? The answer is 10 a.m., Kids will ask, as you're getting your coffee and your food all ready, is it time to open presents yet? Or well, here's a question that someone needs to answer. When is the movie Elf gonna be retired? <laughs> or if you have young kids, when is it time for them to go to bed? So all of these things are statements about what it means to wait. Waiting, it's a part of our humanity. It's also a part of Christmas. So I wanna just unpack Psalm 130 and I wanna show you just two sections of scripture and I want your help as we read this text aloud together. So look at the screen, Psalm 130 verses one through four. Would you read this aloud with me? Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So in this first section, verses 1 to 4, the psalmist is crying out to God for mercy. There's an appeal that sounds like this. Out of the depths I cried to you. Or another way to translate this is, when the bottom fell out of my life, I called upon you. Out of the depths, when tragedy or difficulty strikes, he's pleading with God to listen. He says things like, oh Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. One of the really sad things that you could experience in your life is going through pain and feeling like no one is listening feel like people don't understand what's going on. And in the context here, the psalmist is talking to God about his pain, about his desire for mercy. One Old Testament scholar says this, the psalmist was not a cynic. He had not given up on his relationship with God. On the contrary, he was convinced that his ties to God were so firm that he could call upon God for help in his hour of deepest need when he was at the lowest of human experience. So he turns to God in the middle of his pain and his sorrow. Maybe some of you have known hardship or difficulty in 2022, and you've found yourself asking some really important questions because hardship or pain has come into your life. Most of us don't ask those kind of questions when we're on vacation. When we're on vacation, we ask, how long can this continue? Can we stay here? Or I can't believe that I have to go back to work. We we ask different questions when we're in moments of joy and vacation and entertainment than we do when we're in sorrow. And what's interesting in this text, he then says this, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So this is really interesting, and I want you to listen really carefully, especially if you're here tonight and you're not really a Christian, you haven't defined yourself, haven't identified as a follower of Jesus, but you're celebrating Christmas, you're here, and we're so glad that you are. The question I would want you to ask is the question that I've asked myself. Why does he go from, Lord, hear my prayer, to, if you should mark iniquities, who could stand? Why does he link those two together? And here's why. What he does is he goes to the foundational brokenness that exists in all of life and all of humanity, and whatever pain or difficulty he's experiencing, it's a derivative of the overall brokenness of the world. And so what he does is he goes back to some fundamental beliefs, some fundamental commitments, some fundamental faith steps about who God is and what he has done, and he actually goes to the floor of all human existence, which is, how do I think about my relationship with my creator? That's why he goes there. The reason he does this is the world is broken. I don't need to convince you of that, but do you know why? You know why the world is broken? The Bible, Christian faith, tells us this, that the reason the world is broken is because everything in the world is marred by the presence of sin. Human rebellion has caused a brokenness to just sweep through our human experience. It's why relationships are broken, why people do bad things. It's why there's even bad stuff lurking within our hearts. You can have the most glorious thought followed right by the most wicked desire. Where does that come from? The Bible says at our core, human beings need deliverance. We need deliverance from a brokenness, from sin that lurks within every single human being. The psalmist goes to that point reminding himself that God is a forgiving, gracious God. If you should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. That's the Old Testament way of saying that you could be praised and worshiped. So that's an Old Testament understanding. If we move to the New Testament, we hear the angels tell Mary that his name will be Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Their sins. Jesus comes into the world as a baby, lives a sinless life, dies on a cross, is raised again from the dead for the purpose of this kind of text being able to be applied in your life and mine. The reason why Jesus came in the first place was so that he might be the sacrificial offering to pay for our sin. So when we celebrate this idea of the advent of Jesus in the first event, We're marking the fact that God sent Jesus into the world to rescue human beings from the very cries that stem from the brokenness that's all around us. There's a cry for mercy. He's asking God to be attentive to his pleas. And then there's a second part of this text, so look at the screen again and read this second half with me, verses five through eight. Read it together. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O oh, Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him there is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So the first section is about crying out for mercy. The second section is about waiting in order to hope. So he's waiting to hope, and what he's doing when he's waiting he's remembering the things that he knows, the things that he believes, the things that he clings to when life is really hard. To wait means that I'm looking for something. Waiting is always connected to words like to, waiting to, or for, waiting for, or on, waiting on, and there's an intensity of the waiting in the text. It says that he waits more than watchmen wait for the morning. So he's waiting and waiting and waiting. What what I would wanna help you understand what waiting is, is waiting is hoping in God when you're not in control. It's waiting on God, or hoping in God rather, when you're not in control. And waiting is connected to what you would imagine So you're waiting and you're thinking about what do you need, what do you want, what do you desire, how your life could change. Despair is linked to the same idea of imagination because despair imagines the worst case scenario happening where waiting says, that might happen, but I know the kind of God that I can trust in and I can hope in. Waiting is hoping in God's power when I'm powerless. And that's why the psalmist says, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love. With him there is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. So the reasons that the psalmist says to hope in the Lord is because with him there is steadfast love. That's an Old Testament word for the New Testament concept of grace. With him there is plentiful redemption. With him, We can trust our lives because he's going to redeem us from all our iniquities. So what what does this psalm do? How does it connect to Christmas? It connects this way. The psalmist, in the middle of a moment, when he wonders, God, do you hear me? When he feels like the bottom has fallen out of his life, when he sees trouble and brokenness all around him, When he sees the world and I'm sure saw amazing things but also saw really bad things just like you and I do, the question is how do we make sense of the world as it exists like this? And what the psalmist does is he points his heart and rehearses the need underneath all other needs which is to have our iniquities and our sins forgiven. And that's why this text is so important at this time of year. It's a reminder that Jesus came into the world as a gift, a love act on behalf of a God who cares for you and wants to rescue you from a brokenness so deep you have no power to deal with what's wrong in you and what's wrong around you. If you had that power, you'd be better than what you are today. If you had that power, we'd be able to eliminate all of the brokenness in the world, but we can't, and therefore, This text in Advent reminds us we need someone else to come and help rescue us. And if you're a Christian, it means that you've put your trust in Jesus, you've received him as your Lord and Savior because you know he's the one that can forgive you, he's the one that can cleanse you, and that's why you celebrate this season because this is the beginning of the story that changed your life. And when you look around and you see a world filled with brokenness, you just think if Jesus could just come into into this equation, Everything could change. In 1774, Charles Wesley wrote a hymn that we sing at Christmas time. He wrote it because he saw the problem of orphans in England. He saw the brokenness of his culture and his heart ached for it to be different. He knew that if Jesus could just come, come again, everything would be made right. The song, is come thou long expected Jesus. I want you to hear this, and you can even sing along with me, and just think how differently this text could apply in light of what I've just shared with you. The idea that this Jesus comes, and the longing for him to come again in order to make everything right. The the hymn goes like this, come, Thou long expected, Jesus, born to set thy people free. Listen. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel, strength and consolation hope Of all the earth Thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Every longing heart? What's he saying? He's saying the world is broken. I'm broken. I need you to help me, so come, thou long-expected Jesus. So the question I would ask you is this, where does God find you on this Christmas Eve? Has the bottom fallen out of your life recently? The text would say to you, oh friend, wait on the Lord. Well, if you're not yet a Christian, receive the Lord. Do you find yourself crying out for mercy? I need help, I need help. This text says, wait for the Lord. Do you find yourself scurrying and worrying, trying to gain power in your life, trying to grab a hold of control? The text invites you to hope in the Lord when you're not in control. Born thy people to deliver. Born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever. Now thy gracious kingdom bring. Yes, come. Come. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, my soul waits, waits for the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that your first advent reminds us of a second coming where this long-expected king is going to return. You've, you were born to set your people free, and so we pray that even this evening that those who know you as Lord and Savior would be reminded that the very essence of our redemption is not only celebrated on in this wonderful holiday, but it's a reminder that every brokenness one day is going to be repaired and made new. And Lord, we pray also for those who yet have yet to take that step of putting their trust and faith in Jesus. We ask you, Lord, that you gently and lovingly lead them to the conclusion of what it means to put their trust in Christ, this one who was born to set his people free. Thank you, Jesus, that we can wait upon you. We love you and are grateful for your great mercy. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.